This is a Sport Australia podcast production. Hello and welcome to our coaching and officiating podcast series. My name is Cam Trudell and I'm the project lead for coaching and officiating at Sport Australia. Over this series, we will look at what it takes to modernise Australia's coaching and officiating system. Each podcast, we will be joined by a special guest who will share experiences and practical tips on their topics. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Ben Sutton, a football coach and former Power Roos player who played at the 2019 World Cup in Spain. Ben heads up the Power Roos Development Centre, which provides football development training to children and adults with cerebral palsy and acquired brain injuries. Ben has a passion for change and equality, and he got into coaching to create opportunities for children with cerebral palsy to play football. Ben, very pleased to speak with you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Benny, I'm really interested in, in your journey. You've obviously done quite a lot in the game and played a lot of roles. I'm really interested in where did you start? What was your first experience in playing? And who was really that person that supported you or gave you the love for the game? I started when I was like four. So that's when I started to do it. And then the person who gave me the love for the game was probably my father because he was my first ever coach. And I actually remember one of the first ever memories I have of playing is me in goal, then hit in the face in the ball. I saved it, but the ref and my dad counted it at a goal. And I was like, oh no, but football has actually really helped in my cerebral palsy. And it kind of helped with all my balance and doing stuff that I, without even knowing, just going and helping like balance, there's movement, there's like, but also playing made me get relationships I would never have. Yeah, that's interesting. So you found that as you were playing more and more, that the sport was actually helping you grow other, you know, physical attributes that you wouldn't have otherwise had. Yep. Yeah, that's great. And you're talking about the social. Can you tell me a little bit about that? How does the social, do you remember early social interactions in sport? My whole under six and under seven team were just all my still friends. And we were in under sixes. We lost every game except for one on Day. And under sevens, somehow, is that same team, we were undefeated the whole entire year. Don't know how that happened, but that happened. Um, and then we were in, I was like 12 when I became into the cerebral palsy program. And that changed my life forever. Because when I, like up until I went into cerebral palsy alliance until I was about seven, and then I didn't really have that cerebral palsy contacts to go or any friends with disability. So I couldn't really connect with anyone. So, but when I hit there, it changed my whole life. I got to meet people from all parts, teachers, people in finance, like people my age, so, so we just talked about everything. And now some of them are my teammates now. Most of them are my role models, even now. 
being an older one in the program now, even the younger ones are my role models, and I think that if I can help you, then that make me so much better. That's a great insight to the way that sports really embedded not just connections and friendships, but it, it, how it helps support and grow people. And I'm wondering, you said your father was your first coach. Do you remember what made him a good coach for you? He, he was patient. He didn't care if we did well. He was like, if, even if he did a mistake, did not care. He knew that every time we were going to do something, we would get better and not to get frustrated. That's one of the main things is I see coaches nowadays that so frustrated at kids going, oh my God, why can't you do this? But you, like, I learned from my dad and my mom not to be patient and though they will get this eventually. It takes time. Everything takes time and practice. If they want to do better, they will practice. So, yeah. So it's about creating that positive environment. On field, I'm a very negative person, like to myself, because I think I should be at this level, at the highest level possible, and I should not make mistakes because I'm representing my country and I should not do it. But that is one mindset to have. But as a coach, I'm completely opposite. I'm doing everything fine, everything positive, let's go. If you do it again, don't be like me. Be the best you can be. I love that, Benny. And is it true, Benny, that your very first team you're involved in was more interested in holding hands than actually playing the sport? Yes. So my under-sit team, we weren't really the best at football. We were more just also friends. But we were all holding hands, and that's where the patience of my dad, I applaud him for that. Because I was a bit, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And but he was like, nah. But then he realized that. So he didn't put us together near each other. So we couldn't hold hands. And I think that's where, when I went to under sevens, that's why we did so well. Because that was patient. And then we just went, we actually started to enjoy the game. And we go, and we went home with our friend, like our closest friends that we were holding hands with the year before. We went, okay, they're playing now. Clearly, that was a really positive experience for you because you stayed in the sport ever since. And you then have started to make representative teams. Can you tell us about when you first made the representative teams and what was the atmosphere? What was it like with your new coaches where you're coming into performance coaching? What was that like? It was very interesting because I actually never had a proper, proper coach until I went into the reps teams. So I always had my dad or school teacher or science teacher or whoever it was that was like, okay, let's do this. So when I hit 12, I went into the New South Wales Civil Party program, but I didn't actually make the team until I was 17, so in 2010, where we went to Melbourne for the National Championship. And that's where the experience of that helped me so much. Like, just learning off, I, I like, 
would read the New South Wales players for five years so I all knew them. But meeting the Victorians, the Western Australians, the South Australians and everyone else to go, okay, that's where I need to be. And But the experience they gave me, it wasn't all about football. It was about being a good person. And like, in the team, football is a team sport. So how can I, how can I get from the team sport even into my work? How can I be a better person here and at my work and be a team player? And then in 2017, or end of 2016, I got the call up to the national team. And that whole different level. I thought New South Wales camps were hard and I it went up a notch. So in January 2017, I trained my butt off for like four weeks and that went into the February camp. And I was like, oh my God, okay. Apparently I did well, which I did train. And then funny enough, I got my first co-op that year and I tried all the way home. And then I had told all my family, mum actually organized a party without me knowing, like at my house, even if I got dropped. She was like, oh, everyone. And I was like, okay. So went to that. Actually had 11 people from my family fly over to Argentina to watch me actually play, which in CP football, we don't get many people. Now we're starting to, we're starting to, but in that time, that was unheard of. And like all the coaching staff loved it. I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. And then, yeah. But the levels of coaches, now I have so much better. So we are allowed to go into Northwest Spirit and we've been training with them for about three to four years. And having trained with the NPL under 16, 15, a while, or them helped us so much with today, quicker, faster, like strong, and we have to react to it. And we can't let ourselves get behind them. So we have to go even train harder. So who were you playing for in Argentina the first time? And then who did you play against? So we went to so Argentina. We're playing for the Paris. We played against US, uh, Ukraine, Portugal, Japan, uh, Argentina, funny enough, and there's another one. Oh, Northern Ireland. Right. That's an incredible experience. I would, I would never go to South America if it wasn't for football. Yeah, incredible. I also want to touch back on something you said before, and I think this is key, and it's the, the impact that a coach can make if they make it more than about sport. I, I like what you said is that it wasn't just being about a good sports person, it's about being a good person. Can you tell me a little bit about what that means? What sort of things did you do 
to identify what you could do to be a better person. I know it's cliche, but it's treat the way you want to be treated. So it was like, okay, if I say this to someone, do I want them to say it to me? No. And how do I get the best out of my skill set to help the team? So at North Sydney, where I used to work, I basically went, okay, I'm very, I hate the shed being untidy. And that was me. I was like, okay, my job there? Okay, let's clean the shed. So maybe once every three weeks, I was like, okay, this is my job. I can help the team. If I can make someone else's life easier, I'll do it. And that's where I kind of went, okay, I'll go two and a half hours on a Sunday without anything, clean the whole entire shed. And then I was like, okay, that makes someone else's life better and my life easier as well. So I think that the brain, man, man, so everything works. And then someone else would do that for me. And then we all do it for each other. And that the connection that I found at North Sydney, I won't ever had one job. Oh, now I have to. But um, at North Sydney, the culture there was so good and we all helped each other out. And that's why we were all still so close to each other. Even if someone left, we would still contact them and invite them to everything that we would do. That's a fantastic culture. And I must admit, I've lived a little bit of it. But I'm interested in your coaching now. And I love the, the fact you say that you're a different coach than you are a player. I really like that is the fact that you're hard on yourself, but you want to create those positive environments for the, uh, for the new breed coming through. Can you tell us a little bit about what excites you about coaching the new breed and who are they? What, what do you do for them? So the new breed, I've actually tried to develop the Oparu Development Center where it basically the next generation to come through and take my spot and take all the spots of the current national team. But to have that, it basically because I didn't have that opportunity when I was younger and I was like, I want that, I want what I had and I want to give it to them. And it's all about, can I not impact, but can I change something in them to make them love the sport? If I can make, so it, it's all about loving something. If you love something, you will continue to do it until you are 75 or however old you are. Like, but, yeah, so we, but as you know, at North Sydney, we have a guy who's at 75 and still playing because he loved the sport. I want that from, I want to try and make them, the young, young kids, go up and be him, play at 75. I want them playing some of their teams and then play with me, so. But yeah, the, it's all about just making sure, one, they don't quit the sport. Or if they do, how can I help outside of that as well? How can I make sure next time I don't make a mistake? I make a mistake. For me, it's not, it's them, but it also impacts me. 
the way I make sure I've done my job correctly is at trials the next year. If everyone wants to come back, then I've done my job. If one person doesn't, I haven't done my job correctly. Because you are hard on yourself, Benny. I am, but you always have to be positive. No matter what happens, even if they do the worst mistake of their life, put a positive spin on it. If they pass it the truck goal and they go in the other team into tips and stores, then that's fine. Like, just say, okay, what can you do different? How can you do it differently? And then the next time, if they keep doing it, then you go, okay, how can we do it different? Bang. And then they'll, they'll think, they'll go, oh, I can play the goalkeeper or I can play someone else. And you go, okay. As long as they're learning, I guess, Benny, is that if the mistake is a learning opportunity, then it's not a lost opportunity. It sounds key and quarter to everything you do. The enjoyment factor must be high too. Like if you're putting the benchmark of everyone that's here this year needs to be here next year, you must really drive fun and engagement as being key drivers of your of your sessions. Yeah. And like what I learned from everyone I talked with and talked and talked to gents and even played under, it's all about fun. If it's like I found out, especially with my under nine girl this year, that I found the one game that they all loved. It was Bullrush. They all loved Bullrush. And I was like, perfect. I found a game that I can do. If you do well, let's go to Bullrush then. And I'll tease it for like five minutes. And then them, they will all remember. They go, Ben, let's play Bullrush, let's play Bullrush. And then I'm like, okay. Playing Burrard for five minutes, playing the whole game. Day off switch on, and then I let go. My job is it. It's interesting because you've got a unique skill there where you're actually playing to their motivations. You're coaching to the motivations of the athletes or, or the participants in your teams to ensure that they're not just learning how to play the sport. They're not just learning how to be part of a team. They're also learning that they've got some say over what happens in your session. And I think that's great, that buy-in that you get. Is that a sort of strategy of yours? Yes, master strategy of mine. Because I found that, one, everyone loves to play. Everyone wants to. If, if I could, I would have played games the whole time. Like, as a player, I would have thought, can we play? Because that's too much fun. And then now, as a coach, I can go, okay, let's play, but then I can add some rules into it. So it's kind of like you're learning without learning. It's all about cognitive learning and going, okay, can I have fun? But also, oh, okay, I did this well. And then you point out what we did well, and then you just point out that one thing they didn't do well, and then... We go from there. So creating constraints on, on what you, what you're providing to people in a fun way, highlighting all the positives, and then let's work on the one thing that you want to get better at. Is that planned before the session or, or do you wait to see what's in front of you and then make decisions as you're coaching, which is real coaching, right? Bit of both. Bit of both. I try to plan what I'm going to do 
But if that doesn't work, you always have to adapt. Even like the size of a session. If it's too big and it's too easy for them, you have to make it smaller. But even if it, anything doesn't work, you type them into a game and you go, okay, I'll just let print the rules off the top of my head. And then that, that would be that. Your adaptability there, I like that, is the fact that you create the constraint based on what you're seeing, but you wait to see what you see from your players and what they can do, what they can't do, and what they need to do. And then you adapt your session to get the best outcome from the players. And then you add in another layer. If if we get all this work done, we can also play the game you want to play. Yeah, but it also everyone has different situations as well. Like, I might have a bad day at work and then I go to training and I kind of don't want to be there. But same with kids. They might have a bad day at school. Something might happen at school. Something might happen at home that we might not know about. And then you find out and then you go, okay, let's make it more fun for them. Let's make it more fun now. Let's make it easier. Okay, cool. And then if you have more than one session, you can go, oh, okay, let's make that day harder. Let's make this one more fun. Benny, I really like that because one, that's how you intrinsically motivate people to love sport is that it becomes what it's designed to do. And that is, yes, be competitive, but two, fun to turn up and engage in. We've grabbed a lot to learn uh, from you today, Benny. That was fantastic. Really appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Some incredible insight for us all to take away. Thanks so much for your time, mate. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to find out more about coaching and officiating or have any feedback or questions, please email us at workforce at sportoz.gov.au. My name is Cam Trudell and I look forward to you joining me for the next podcast in the Coaching and Officiating series.